Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dan Snow's History Hit. Unless you are living in St Kilda with the internet turned off for the last six months, you will know that Sir Ridley Scott's new film, Napoleon, is about to hit the big screen. And friends, the big screen is the place to see it. Let me tell you. Ridley Scott, the man, the legend, he's 85 years old. He is smashing out movies at a prodigious rate. He makes $100 million movies like I make $100 podcasts. Here's the man who brought you Gladiator, Blade Runner, Alien, The Martian, Black Hawk Down. He's one of the greatest directors of all time. Ridley Scott's had an extraordinary life. His father was away with the army. He was born in South Shields in the north of England, moved around constantly. He developed a fascination for cinema from his great uncle, who was a pioneer of cinema and opened many movie theatres around Tyneside. Now he bestrides this narrow world like a colossus. And I was the petty man who walked about under his huge legs, peeping about, to find myself a dishonourable grave, or, or more precisely, to find myself a very honourable hour of podcast interview time. So Ridley Scott and I met up in a swanky hotel in London. We sat beside each other, we hung out, we talked about movies, we talked about his occasionally slightly unorthodox historical opinions about Napoleon and his military campaigns. But you know, you can forgive the man a lot. He talked you through the movie. You're going to hear us talking through some clips. This, friends, is Sir Ridley Scott, one of the greatest of all time, talking about Napoleon and lots of other stuff besides. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. T minus 10. Atomic bomb dropped on Hiroshima. God save the king. No black white unity till there is first some black unity. Never to go to war with one another again. And lift off, and the shuttle has cleared the tower. Ridley, thanks for coming on. Why Napoleon and why now, the big man? Um, in many respects, he's one of the great curiosities in history. Any time, anywhere, you looking at Charlemagne, Alexander the Great. I got horribly misquoted by, I said, Stalin, Adolf Hitler. And I said, this is not Adolf Hitler. I said, well, no, there's 400 books being written about Napoleon Bonaparte. 400. So clearly, he's one of the more interesting historical figures you could possibly imagine, both as a military, politician, leader, emperor, everything. And he's always stuck in my mind, and it wasn't because I knew that Stanley was going to, had considered doing Napoleon Bonaparte, but it's partly to do with my early encounter with the French way of life as an 18 year old, drove to France, loved it. My first experience, ended up in a village called Saint-Tropez, 
I didn't see Bridget Butler because she's probably my age, so she's probably, I'd be, she'd be 18. I'd love to have met Bridget, Bridget Butler at 18, can you imagine? But she was in the village and I never saw that. But the village was marvelous. And I was experiencing French food, which in those days would be steak, frites, and dodgy red wine, right? Still is, and, it's yeah. beautiful. So I lay on the beach in the sun and basted myself with olive oil, thinking it was the best suntan lotion I could possibly have. And what I was actually doing was roasting myself. So it was a very bad experience. And then later years, became very successful in advertising and had to, it was shot in France a lot for a French company, and it had my own company in Paris. So I was steeped very much in French culture. Then my first film would be The Duelist, which ironically was about Napoleon. You never see Napoleon, but it is about Napoleon and his army, where he decides to bring the new working class officer to the fore with an aristocratic officer who collide. That is fundamentally the story. It's a culture clash. Then from that, I shot in a wonderful place in the Dordogne, and I couldn't forget that. And then I jumped to a film, beginning of the, actually, COVID. It was right in, back in Dordogne, one kilometer from where I shot my first film. It was called The Last Duel. In The Last Duel, I said, well, I should do Napoleon. So I shot a climate Napoleon then with the writer. So that recent... That's about four years ago. And isn't it funny that when you were basting yourself on that beach, that's metres away from where you would have landed in 1815 at the start right. of 100 days. Yes. What a wonderful life. Okay, so did you feel I should do Napoleon in that, like, it's a monumental subject. I think I've done my apprenticeship. I'm ready for Napoleon. Like, you can't just do a Napoleon no, film straight out the back. No, no, I mean, I've been ready for anything for years. Okay. <laughs> you know, you know my success in advertising was pretty amazing because at the time, in my era... Alan Parker, Adrian Lyne, then later my brother Tony Scott, we caught the wave of the, this new culture called advertising because of the advent of television advertising. We turned it into what I think was an art form. So we influenced the world in terms of how to advertise and that influence, I think, influenced how movies would look, how movies were cut. Advertising was at its best at that point. Yeah. And do you... When you're making movies, <clears throat> presumably one gigantic character at the heart of the movie is good for storytelling because you've got an actor. Well, it's, a lot easier, it's a lot easier with yeah. all the peripheral characters around it. And normally when you're inventing fiction, you're usually trying to pick up somebody who is actually a problem or has a problem or has many problems and is the larger than life character. That's what we do with storytelling. And then you get a good actor to play that character, right? And yes. you could, in this movie, you could just, you can watch Phoenix on that screen. There's no limit in the amount of time I could just watch him. And he doesn't have to do that much, does he? Well, yeah. He's well know, directed, of course. No, there's a lot of talent in not being able to do much. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot going on. I mean, that's part of the talent. Yeah. The fact that you have to watch him is it. Yeah. How did you work with him to... Because there's so many versions of Napoleon, aren't there? There's the sort of, the man that everyone's screaming, vive l'empereur, there is the lover, there is the... But you guys have teased out a kind of version of Napoleon I think is fascinating. He's a little bit awkward sometimes, isn't he? Well, this comes from uh, Joachim, because I'd done one version of the script, and then I could only think of Joachim. He was always the, the man, not just because I'd done the... Gladiator with him, the Prince of Darkness of Rome. I enjoyed the experience and I enjoyed the outcome. But I really, I thought Napoleon, 
Joachim looked like Napoleon. He looked like him. I kept looking at pictures. This is what Napoleon. So I passed it by and said, what do you think? And he couldn't believe that I wanted to play Napoleon Bonaparte. That was the initial reaction. And then little by little, we crept into it. Then I had a script which I could send to him. And then with Joachim, and as the artist he is, I mean that he's a really, is an artist, an artist. Um, there was a lot to say, and so we sat down for many days re-discussing who this man may be, because he said, I don't see him on the page. Who was he? I thought, given Napoleon's short stature, Napoleon was sh considered short at the time, which is five foot seven, wasn't that short, it was kind of normal, but the wicked English press would draw these wonderful cartoons and always portray as being this little short man with a very large, tall lady, and also the, all the politicians were much bigger than he was. So was he unsure of himself, unconfident in himself? I think for sure. And anybody who's that lacking in confidence but has a buried ego somewhere, that's a kindling for fire. And so he wants to come out and wants to prove himself. And so that's how it begins, because he was a talented gunnery lieutenant officer um, who was clearly knowledgeable about molding and making, melting steel and making cannons. He knew about the technology of what they call the hot ball, where they sire a ball at a ship which was virtually on fire and set and ignited. And so Napoleon was a talented gunnery officer. And his first opportunity came. Was they had a big problem of the English were blockading ports. The biggest port to blockade was Toulon. And so Barras, who was a funny kind of way, was almost like not military necessarily, but somehow was found himself in command of the French army and many other things, had this recommended by his brother, this my brother's a talented gunnery officer, and he met him, and I think he just took potluck and hoped for the best. He went to Toulon to find that the general in charge was a court painter. And of all things, he was talented painting fruit. <laughs> so he went to the base and saw complete neglect, lack of leadership, and just took over. You haven't done well for a painter. You told me on a previous occasion that you, at heart, you were an artist or a painter. Oh, no, well. I, oh, no, the best thing that I ever did was go to art school. Yeah. And I went to a very provincial art school called West Hartlepool, which is in Teesside. And I then became very good, and I got into the Royal College. And I then spent three years in the Royal College. So I had seven years in art school. But, and you told me you still storyboard everything. Well, you I, I, I drifted back into, because I could really had a good hand and can really draw and kind of really paint. But I suddenly realized I should use it to prepare my film. Because when you delegate a storyboard, it uses a lot of time explanation, explaining what you want to do. And frankly, I could draw it faster than explaining it. So eventually I stopped storyboard and would draw it myself. So Napoleon's storyboard is this thick. I was going to say, that must have been a, that in itself yeah. is a Well, it's not thick figures. You're literally drawing close-up, medium shot, wide shot. So sometimes I haven't got the location, so I'll draw the location, then look at the drawing, then go find the location. That 
in itself sounds like a, a work of, that should be in the British Library. Yeah, well, yeah, it's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's no, pretty, pretty good stuff. Good. No, it's good stuff. Go. Yeah. And we should say, when I heard you were doing the play, I was like, this is very exciting. My goodness me, is it going to be the story of 1815 or the Austerlitz campaign? No, no, you did the whole thing. No. Why did you want to do the whole thing? Because that's a massive undertaking. Well, you know, he did 66 battles. So I can take the highlights of some of the best ones. One of them has to be Waterloo, which yeah. is a demise. Yeah. One of them has to be the complete lack of judgment of Moscow. Yeah. Going, and then the retreat. And he took, I think he went out with 600,000 men, came out with 40,000. Yeah. He lost half a million men. But then the one I thought was most, showed his talent and strategy was the Austrians are with the Russians around the corner. I'm going to go to them. I'm going to make myself evident that I'm here, the other side of this big lake. We will have to attend to each other in the battlefield. I will let them come to me because they're going to come to me. I'm going to limp myself wide open to being a lure on the edge of the lake. I'll put a camp there with lots of fires and tents and things like that. And they will think, oh, the army is careless, not hiding themselves. They are seen. They are reported by Cossacks. He has his own men in the forest who see the Cossacks. The man can report that we have been discovered. Good, have the men sleep, tomorrow we'll fight. And so they come in for him. He's hidden. He's had trenches dug in preparation for foot soldiers. Cannons are hidden and cavalry is hidden in the forest. So when the army comes, he's gonna drive the, most of them from three different sides and push them onto the lake. Once on the lake, he's gonna reveal the cannons. Then he's going to bombard, the lake will split, it'll all die. It is epic, um, in yeah, the truest is. sense of the word. Well, why did you want to do the whole career? Did it just have to be that? Well, it kept cropping up, and there's more interest and more interest and more interest, but then inside of that, I wanted to do something beyond just the battles, because action can get boring. Yeah. Sex in the bedroom can get boring. So it had to be what was Napoleon's need for this woman. Again, it has to be beyond her prowess in the bedroom, run out. So he was obsessed with her, and I think she was his soulmate, but she wasn't reciprocating. She didn't really love him, I don't think. And I think because of that, it made him love her more. He was obsessed with her. And so it shows in his letters which are sometimes juvenilely um, loving or sexual, they're kind of embarrassing to read. They, oh my God, he really wrote this. Trying to turn her on in his letters. She never read them. They bundled them in her bedroom. She never opened them, which says something she didn't really care. And then once he said to her, we must be divorced because you cannot give me a successor. So in a way, it was tragic for him. And it became at that moment tragic for her because she lost her security. But he looked after her so well, the generosity was enormous. So I think, was there affection for her to him? Definitely towards the end. And therefore, she started to write to him. So in the film, you, you discover this after when I made the movie, she dies, but there's still a way to go. There's still Waterloo. And I kind of lost her. I missed her. So we started looking at her letters. And I saw, then got the actress to read her the letters 
to him and sort of have a presence felt by the letters of his voice so it worked really well. Worked well. Let's look at the clip of two when we pulled out some of the battles. Yeah. I, I want you to talk me through how you made these extraordinary scenes. This screen is not big enough to watch no, this on. No, this you is want a, to watch it on the IMAX. Yeah, these guys are sappers, and the uniform they have on there right now is actually accurate. Yes, okay, you went yeah, to a lot but, of trouble with the uniform. And, well, they're yeah. protected with by that armor, they, they explode. I don't think it'll save them, frankly, but it'll help them a bit. And artillery looms very large, right? Yeah. Because, as you say... He was terribly nervous at too long, scared to death. That's the artillery officer letting off the fuse. out here is not CGI. No, it's all real. But we live in a world now where everyone's talking about AI and doing everything fake. I mean, well, you your career will be will no, marked no. by the golden age of massive films. I think you feel when it's fake, when it's AI, you, you know it's somehow artificial. All of this is real, studio. Because I remember when I watched the battle scene in Gladiator, it took the breath out of my lungs the first yeah. time I ever saw it. And this has the same effects on these scenes. And you show Napoleon in the thick of the fighting. He does actually get bayoneted in the leg, I think, in uh, no, It's all accurate. What happened is all true. His horse took a ball in his chest. And what we thought of after he goes in, he loved his horse, put his hands inside the horse, took out the ball, said, give this to mum. <laughs> really? So his brother's there. He's going to get the horse. And out. you're right, but Napoleon, you're playing Napoleon here at this yeah. point. He's nervous at this point. Oh, first scared to death. Yeah. This is the point at which he either walks onto the great stage of history yeah. or he stumbles and yeah. falls off it. Yeah. And he must have gone through many feelings at that moment of fear, fear of failure. Yeah. Once you go this far, you've got it. It's better to die in the battlefield than fail. That's interesting. And also, he's not a man of enormous wealth and influence. This yeah. is his shot, isn't it? This yes. is his shot. Yeah. And I think well, that comes across. He was then given an acting from lieutenant acting brigadier general as that's a reward quite, for them. That's quite so a promotion. That then hung on him, so then you go to his uniform, so suddenly he's the general. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And Ridley, you show some ships in this. You know, my abiding ambition is that you're going to make a massive film about British naval power in the 18th century. Well, you come close in this movie. But you know the very end scene he shot with um, Wellington? That room, stateroom, is Nelson's stateroom. Oh, no, it's cool. Isn't it fantastic? That is very cool. Yeah. So you shot on there. Love seeing those British ships. Yeah. For you, real locations, human beings, that matters. Oh, yeah. You can always redo anything digitally, but you're not really in charge when you're doing digitally. It's a painstaking process. And listen, I had, particularly in Waterloo and particularly in Austerlitz, there's a lot of digital help. Okay. But all that stuff going through the ice is all real. Okay. And cannons going off. If I've got... 50 cannons in foreground shooting actual cartridges, that's real. Then if the, I'm gonna put another thousand at the back, it's easy. Yeah. If I've got 200 horses in foreground, I actually have to do their thing. I can easily put another 20,000 beyond it. Do you ever worry that you might have been a military dictator in a parallel universe? Uh, Sounds to me like, I've got my 50 Why cannons. would I worry? No, I'd love to have been a fragment. <laughs> Okay. This, this is the next best thing. Yeah, I think you're right. Doing my job, if ideally, is a benevolent dictatorship. 
Okay. If well, it's possible. And you're like that. You know, what's the captain of a ship? A dictator. Thank you. Yeah. If you don't, you've got trouble. You're big trouble. Right? <laughs> you're you're right? the cultural dictator. Yeah, I mean, in a way, the trick is to be friendly, humorous, and be part of the team. But at the end of the day, there is the buck stops. I'll fall, always fall on my own sword. What is the greatest line in this movie? Him? What, what do you think? I don't know. What okay. I, I, come on, I know that you think it's the same as me. Well, you think you're so great just because you've got boats. Oh, no, I love that. It just, That's the greatest Because line. you have boats. Yes. That was the day after Trafalgar. Oh, was it? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, good. he... Oh, okay, he got the new... The, the Trafalgar was 18... Five? Five. Yeah. And, no, it was leading up to it. Okay. Just because you have boats. Because their navy run by Nelson was yeah. formidable. Yeah, it was. And if you hadn't had the navy, that, the story would have been different. Yeah. Oh, totally. But that is the greatest line. But, but you know, he would have taken England. Yeah. And he had his brother, Colonel Bonaparte, in New York. Yeah. It so when he did, what was it called the Louisiana Land Purchase? Yeah. He sold from St. Louis to a lot of the United States yeah. back to, to get money yeah. so he could do his march to yeah. Moscow. I mean, honestly, if he'd been able to take on the British Navy, North America would well, know all about Well, more than that, when he was in Santa Lina, there was a frigate came off, and some of them got messed with him that a frigate was offshore, would wait for him, take him to New York that night, and he wouldn't leave because he was so disappointed that he thought he knew the French wanted to get rid of him. Okay. The French wanted to get rid of him. They did not want him back. Where, where did you shoot this? We shot months? this in Malta. Malta is an architectural gem. Yeah, it's Really, architecture is medieval, Renaissance, it's stunning. Medina is incredible. I was trying to film on a tall ship, and uh, it's the first time I heard about your movie, and everyone, you couldn't find a tall ship yeah. in Cornwall. No tall ships, they said, it was Ridley right Scott's got them. He said, yeah. everyone who's got a tall ship, Ridley's basically saying, put out the back call, anyone with a tall ship come to Malta. Yeah. I was like, doesn't he know we're trying to make a little podcast? Aren't they great? I mean, they're gorgeous. Yeah. I can see why they obeyed yeah. Your, yeah. your call, not mine. You listen to Dan Snow's History. We're talking to Sir Ridley Scott about Napoleon. More coming up. Join us this month on Gone Medieval from History Hit. I'm Matt Lewis. And I'm Eleanor Yanaga. This April, dive into our special miniseries. With the help of leading experts, we're tracing the foundations of England by exploring the country's most powerful Anglo-Saxon kingdoms. We'll be looking at Northumbria, Mercia and Wessex, as well as the rulers and their councils who helped shape a nation. Make sure to get every episode by listening and following Gone Medieval from History Hit, wherever you get your podcasts. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful. Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. 
And if you're giving an aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. And also remember, when you use a messaging apps, they shrink the photos. You cannot print those out. You cannot blow them up. This is high quality imagery going to one of the most important people in your life. The Aura app is super easy to set up. It takes about two minutes and you're going to love it. There's free unlimited storage, add unlimited photos and videos and invite as many people as you want to a frame. Right now, Aura has got a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Dan Snow at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Let's take a look at Austerlitz now. Let's take a look yeah. at Austerlitz. Fort in December, so you've got the weather, it's yeah. nice and chilly. The, right there, you see that down there, that's an airfield. Oh, right. And, but the wooden is married to the wooden foreground where I shot Marks of Wilson Gladiator. Okay, this is where you shot the Gladiator. Same place. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He just wants them to attack this little village, which is he's made into a fortress. Yeah, it's no question. They'll engage them, and when they're ready, he will then introduce foot soldiers, then cavalry. Now push them onto the big blank area. They haven't twigged as ice. Then the cannons. And so here they come. You show Napoleon scouting himself. I mean, he was very active. He, in the no, he did that. He actually What about historical accuracy? What if when the historian goes, ah, "Sorry, Sir Ridley, it didn't quite happen like that." You go, "Listen, if I've done enough with you, well, you, know, you have to know, have artistic license." I, I right? would say, "How did you know were you there?" <laughs> <laughs> they go, oh, no, right, so exactly. So I said, Robert had 400 books written about him. Mm. So it means maybe the first one was the most accurate. The next one was already doing a version of the writer. Yeah. By the time you get to 399, guess what? A lot of speculation. But also you are an artist, right? Shakespeare, when Shakespeare's writing about the Battle of Agincourt, it's yeah. one of the greatest pieces of art in the English language. Yes. It doesn't, it's not necessarily perfectly accurate. No, but I love details in Agincourt. The French had arrived, were eating French food. They all had dysentery, you know? Yeah. That? yeah. You know yeah. Oh, yeah. Sweet so all the artists in Agincourt had no trousers I know. I know. because. Do you know what? I'm just saying I'd love to see a Ridley Scott Agincourt. But I'm just going to park that one there. Yeah. And also, the British had invented a point that was like the Concorde. Oh, yes, the bodkin head. So the velocity yeah, yeah. changed. Yeah. So it hit, it would pierce armor. Big difference. Sounds to me like there's something in development here. I just want to say I'm not. Yeah, so, yeah, okay. Yeah. So we got Napoleon. Here he comes. Yeah, here he comes. Here's the lieutenants. Here's the infantry. So about 200 of them are real. The rest, all the ones in the foreground are real, and the rest be, are great. digital. Okay. Now he waits. Do, he waits. Do you feel incredibly lucky that you've been able, or is of course it's you know you've made your luck, but that you created oh. these epic, epic films? Every time. Yeah. Every time. What's it like um, on location? You're like, I cannot believe all these people. Uh, well, no, the first moment we turned up in Berlin, at the big house, we shot a lot of the stuff in the big house, and there's a unit of 900 personnel there. And it's the first time I came being out in the field, and he said, who are all these people? I said, this is all for yeah. you, mate. But this is, as a filmmaker, you. this would be the dream, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Sending yeah. Well, no, I, I, I try and take my stride. You can't be afraid. 
you you got to go on and say, no, stop, stop, stop. you got to be able to say, stop, it's wrong, and adjust it. But, you know, I run a film a bit like a board meeting. When you're approaching the movie, the production, the actual shooting, the whole unit's about 900 personnel. And there's 40 HOD, so we sit around a boardroom table. I say, right, page one, problem? No, page two, problem. What's the problem? Have you talked to him? We'll talk to him. Page three. <laughs> That's the way you do it. Yeah. And then, of course, you'll come to things that really need proper discussion. That's how you find out what the real problems are. This is that when they discover they're on the ice. It's good fake ice, then. That's fake ice? Oh, yeah, totally fake ice. Well, you didn't march an army across a real pond? No! That, that's a playing field. <laughs> uh, that is an airport. That's great. And I just spread some snow down. Do wow. you ever have a bad day on the movie when you're like, I'm yeah. the loneliness of command. Now I know what it was like for Napoleon outside. No, 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 no. I've, got, I've long gone over that. You can't wobble. If you wobble, you're in trouble. Okay. I have to say, stop, it's not working. You know, the whole thing about it is adjustment, constant adjustment. Uh, but all this is boarded. So I know I need yeah, you know what cannons, doing. balls coming in. And people never show, but when you can see a cannonball, it's only doing, going 400 miles an hour. Yeah. So you can see it, so yes, I put you can in the see ball. Them. That's the strange yeah, shit. Yeah. This is an extraordinary scene on the big screen, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so through the eyes we cut the... a large area about the size of two swimming pools, and we've got the tank at Pinewood to shoot the stuff in the Okay, okay. The cannonballs hitting the water, I love, that's digital. Yeah. How close are you to that? Are you, going, are you shouting at that guy? Come on, man. No, 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 no. What I do, this is about 11 cameras. Exactly. Well. So I have to be in a trailer okay. with 11 monitors bigger than that. Okay. And I'm watching everything, so I'm... I was a very good camera operator, so I can talk to an operator as an operator, say, yeah. you missed it, you're too slow, too fast. <laughs> you, you, before you go, you're too wide, you go tighter. Okay. So my real film school was advertising. Yeah. If you do 2,500 commercials personally, and I'm on the camera every day, it's a great school. This standard bearer galloping away is such a yeah. great moment, isn't it? It's yeah, astonishing. It. You think, he's going to get away, and then, yeah. no, no. That well, he's scared, scared to death, and boom, yeah, there he goes. There he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you create a battle scene, and then you famously shoot it with loads of different cameras. Because you're a big believer in if you don't get it right once or twice, you're probably not going to be able to flog it after. Well, no, I think if you've got eight cameras or 11 cameras, you position them carefully. The geometry of the scene is essential. So you've already walked it through on the set or on the ground with riders, with a head of stunts. You've walked it out. They know where they're going to go. They're heading towards that hole. And I have two cameras at that hole. Another two, somewhere. You position your cameras in to receive the incoming, yeah. as well as the big wide stuff. So, of course, there are cameras in shot digitally. I can just rub them out easy. Okay, fine. You can move the camera. And I'll have camera operators dressed in army uniforms. So, you frequently don't even see the camera. If you look carefully, you may see cameras. Okay. But you That's find the, the guys are in place. uniforms. I can't see, okay, I can't see cameras. You know what? Let's go and look at Waterloo. Again, this feels like a big day in the like for me. I mean, I'm obviously a massive history. This is my period, but like this is it. We're gonna we're gonna portray well, Waterloo. Bizarrely, the two armies are almost two miles apart, so those cannons would fire a long got, way. You got the valley, in the but I've got there. 800 meters here, so it's a perfect ground for Waterloo because it's slightly shallow dip, and I got the perfect because it's raining, 
<laughs> and the reason why he wouldn't move on the morning was because the ground was solid, and discount. he did not want his horses to get in yeah. there and break their legs. Did you end up rooting for Napoleon? Well, you know, anybody vulnerable, you tend to root for them. Okay. I found Joachim, one of his biggest, most powerful things that he has is he's a very sympathetic man. He's charming. Yeah. And he's vulnerable. He's vulnerable. Yeah, and yeah. so even when he's playing the joke, he's vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, it's the best temptation of a monster who's vulnerable. And that's the interesting thing about Napoleon. Joaquin Phoenix plays him both as a genius and as uncertain and, and vulnerable. And Completely. Insecure. Yeah, it's very... That's very important because that makes him more interesting, I thought. We knew by enough research, when you look at the research and understand his hesitation, he had to be vulnerable. I love this scene. I love Rupert Everett playing. Isn't he great? That's clever of you. Yeah, it's great. He, that's his line. He says, I hate getting wet. <laughs> yeah. I hate getting wet. That. What an epic. Yeah, that's epic, isn't it? Yeah. But said, do you wonder whether in the future of film, who knows, but whether they'll ever have this many people replicating Waterloo ever again? Or whether you know, they're just going to be tempted uh, to do it. I hope so. I hope it doesn't go away. Because, I will. I hope so. Uh, you know, we are... I think everyone loves to have a bedtime story, don't they? I mean, now you've got that on every house in the world, a very high-quality screen. Yeah. It's great, because I think if you do it right, you can bring culture to the household. And this kind of thing is information and culture, isn't it? But do you go to bed at night thinking, I cannot believe I've just no. engaged an no, entire generation in the Roman Empire, or now in Napoleon, there's going to be people... Out there, well, I'm I'm quietly proud of it, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still a bit. I'm still allowed to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm still capable of doing it, but I'm still allowed to do it. I love it. And the key You've got here skirmishes is skirmishes here, French skirmishes. Yeah, great, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, but I couldn't do this unless I, my team is. I have to think this is the best of business. Everybody from every possible department right through to the guys who reload the blanks in the rifles. Yeah. I like the messenger with the, with the fresh horse. Well, we that, inv that cool, I, that. I invented the idea that, how did they know that Blucher, where he was? You have to put him back. The Prussians! You're a rider, you, you have two horses, a jockey's 150 pounds. You wanging 11 kilometers, you have another horse alongside you. Yeah. You can change horses mid-gallop, so you save the horse. That's what the so, Mongols used to, yeah. Yeah, you move horse to horse. So, in a way, that's your walkie-talkie. Yeah. Where are they now? Four crumbs, how long? Go back and find a way. <laughs> find them. No, I mean, it's logical, isn't it? Your emperor is with you. You are the brave of Australians. Never surrender. For homeland and glory. And then you can't go wrong with a cavalry charge. Now, how many cavalry charges have you made in your career? And you just can't go wrong with them. I, this is the first one. Well, I know there's a good one in um, the last jewels. Oh, there was a, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, that's small. Okay, I mean, look at the size of that. Are you kidding? Yeah, that's a big That's a painting. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's a painting. And, uh, well, I, I looked at a lot of paintings and I thought, what will they say in England? He's so British, isn't he? So British. You so you looked at some of those amazing paints of Waterloo. You can smell the brandy, right? You can smell the... <laughs> look at this. That's all real. That's all life. And then here's the guards. Now wow. make it. Now's your time. Well, I mean, I've added a lot of horses there. But we rehearsed moving into these blocks, which are fortresses. This is now a fortress. Yes, forming the square. This is brilliant. This and is you've a, got the king's colour, you've got the right flags there. I mean, it's all happening. And really. this is all real. Uh, the first four are real, the rest is digital. But that's, that's pretty good. We don't, it's not, I think you can be forgiven for that. That's yeah. That's fine. That's, <laughs> that's great. I mean, that is yes. epic. Isn't that, oh, my God. But you know, to you, you've be going seen this a million times. Are you still like, is it? Still, what's yeah. it like when you watch this? I'm in a room in a tube with all these monitors. No one in there. Can't have an in there. I don't want any advice. I want oh, to really? No, I want to fall on my own sword. Okay. So I say stop. Now I say come in. So we bring them all in, and if we're getting clogged up, we'll bring the operators into the trailer. I say right, watch this. There, there, there. Readjust so. You got stunts, you got operas, and we readjust the shot, yeah. and then they go back and do it. It's very efficient. Yeah. Well, it sounds very efficient because it sounds like everyone does exactly what you tell them all the time. <laughs> yeah. You, well, somebody has to. That's a very efficient system. It's captain of the ship. Yeah, listen, of course. Now, yeah. thank God, Joachim can really ride. He, oh, he can, he can ride. Oh yeah, he hides the fact. That he, I said you're a good horse. He said, well, not bad. He's really good. And this is him. So he's doing his own stunts? He, no, he's doing... I wouldn't allow that. OK, OK. But uh, him full gallop, yeah, of course. Well, that sounds like a stunt to me. No, 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 no. But this screen is not doing it justice. No, no. Yeah. You've got to watch this on the IMAX. I, I know. <laughs> I mean, t uh, trust me, I've been lucky enough to see this on a big well, screen. Well, the IMAX is going to be stunning. Have you seen IMAX? You no, no, I, no. I haven't, but I've seen it on a big screen in Sony HQ. Pretty good. That's amazing. Yeah? It was good. Yeah, yeah. I know, it's amazing. Uncomfortable but, seats. Listen, I didn't notice the seats because I was too excited. Yeah. My bum was not sending any signals to my brain during this movie. <laughs> you make all sorts of different movies. Why the large scale? Is that be just because you can? Why, uh, well, why are we attracted uh, to these massive stories? Oh, because I can, yeah. Is that what I mean, is? But occasionally I'll stop and do something small like Thumb and the Weeds. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, um, throw away little movies. Yeah. Um, I, but I've done three little films that people don't really talk about, but people see it again and again. It's a Good Year, uh, Magic Men, White Squall, and Someone Talked Over Me. You did White Squall? Yeah. I love that film. I, White I, I, Squall I was is on, a great I, movie. I, thank you. Hello. <laughs> did you feel you couldn't, like, because there's films you could have shot about Napoleon where it's like an intimate picture of him and Josie. You felt like you had to make a movie that matched oh, yeah. his reputation. Well, why not? The whole point of doing it is the scale of his undertaking, what he managed to achieve. I can't think of any leader today that has achieved as much. Yeah, Napoleon is the Napoleon of movies. Napoleon is the Napoleon of military leaders, yeah. I think. Because also, I think he had a great sense of architecture, a sense of plan. He was a great politician. He was a great bureaucrat. And he elevated the bureaucracy in order of France dramatically. How should we feel? A lot of his methods are still used in France. They are. Yeah. But in the publicity, you also use the word tyrant. So like, are you worried that this is going to be swept into the kind of cultural, is Napoleon good? Was he bad? How should we feel about him? I think, what, he, I think he was great and brutal. Yeah. You have to be. 
he makes some pretty tough decisions and choices, right? And so how many people would die during his battles? You can maybe count the soldiers, but how many civilians suffered on, along the way? It's, it's like addressing Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius became guilty as he got older about what he'd done. You can't be that powerful having not ha done a lot of massive damage. So how do you want people to leave this epic, like they've come out of the movie theater, they are staggering out of the movie theater. How do you want them to feel when they leave? Do you want them to be fanboys of Napoleon? Do you want them to think about mm. the nature of power and fate? I think fate? everything, the elated by watching such a spectacle, I try to make it as real as possible. So you're learning something about history. Yeah. You're learning something. I hope that people come out having learned something. Okay, whilst also just marveling at the scale of it. I hope so. I mean, I hope that we try to do our best. Well, well done for doing your best. Ridley Scott, thank you very much thank indeed. You, I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dan Snow's History. Please follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us, and you'll be doing us a big favor. Don't forget, you can also listen to all of these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of TV documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com slash subscribe. As a special gift, you can also get your first three months for just £1 a month when you use code DANSNOW at checkout.